Knoxville along the banks of the mighty Tennessee River. This is the Startup Knox podcast featuring interviews with local entrepreneurs about their startups. I'm your host, Brandon Bruce, and today we continue our special series of interviews with Knoxville ecosystem builders. I'm talking with Maha Krishnamurthy, Vice President of the University of Tennessee Research Foundation. UTRF was founded in 1935. It's a nonprofit organization that promotes the commercialization of University of Tennessee intellectual property, encourages entrepreneurial culture, contributes to state and regional economic development, and promotes R&D to benefit the people of Tennessee and beyond. Welcome to the show, Maha. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So the latest big news, a huge Series A round by one of your startups. Tell us about it. So, yeah, so we did this license back in early January with a company called Atralis. Uh, and if I keep calling it Aurora Bio, it's because it used to be its name before they changed it to Atralis for trademark reasons. And it is a research coming from Dr. John Wald's lab. And John has been uh, at the Graduate School of Medicine here. And John has been working in this, and his team have been working in the space of amyloidosis for, I don't know, about 20 years. John is truly passionate about patients and patient healthcare. Um, So back in 2008, John had formed a startup called Solex. And it was primarily interested in doing a lot of imaging work on patient and understanding how these plaques that are formed in the human brain affect, uh, you know, to get an image to understand them. So you've got to foresee something before you can do something about it. And uh, and along the way, he started partnering um, and coming up with uh, understanding different mechanisms and coming up with therapeutics. Uh, and then he found partners because as the startup was going and he was trying to basically, uh, you know, uh, just off his own thing, try and do uh, patient trials and doing imaging. As you can imagine, that's not cheap. Uh, and so uh, early or late 2019, he met uh, his colleagues uh, and he found, bought on, on board a CEO and business partners. And they essentially decided to rebuild a company. So we they formed this company called Atralis, um, and they uh, and we renegotiated the license, which is a portfolio of about twenty patents, um, and it is basically got to do with imaging and therapeutics for the cure of amyloidosis. And while John is here, the team, his uh, the managing team is in uh, California, and they have raised twenty five million because the investors believe that this is a big, uh, you know, a, a big potential in uh, in helping and curing these patients, for which, as of today, there is no therapeutic in the market. Super impressive. I, if I remember, and it's been many years since the show House was on TV, but I feel like amyloidosis is one of those things that came up in various episodes, right, when they were trying to solve for some really tricky diagnosis. Uh, so the investors are putting in $25 million. That's a, that's a big raise. How does that work vis-a-vis UTRF. So is UTRF involved in just the licensing aspect? Were you involved in the company formation? Sort of what's the role that the Research Foundation plays in in the story of this startup? Um, It really does. It depends. Um, And so, you know, for this particular startup, the uh, in the case of Atralis, because they had seasoned entrepreneurs who came in, um, seasoned business folks, you know, uh, the the John is a chief scientific officer, 
Um, but you have Spencer and uh, Nancy, and Nancy has 20 odd years of experience in Merck, and so does Spencer. So they know the space. So there, the whole goal was, you know, really protecting and ensuring that John can continue doing his research at UT, continues having his academic freedom, um, and also ensuring that, you know, so there's a flow of information, but it doesn't hinder John work as a researcher. So that is primarily the role that we played. Um, and our license agreement, and I'm really proud of that, this one, is that you know we drafted and we negotiated the whole license agreement. We started in early January and we were done uh, literally by the middle of February. So which is, you know, if you think about amount of back and forth it takes, it, it was pretty quick, uh, negotiating the term sheet and finishing the entire license agreement. Um, and remember, it was therapeutics and diagnostics. So we had two different components that went in, 20 patents. And, uh, you know, we did the whole license agreement. And when they raised money, we literally had barely any changes to our license agreement that the investors wanted. I mean, it was, you know, the changes were really more semantic, um, but that was it. So I'm pretty proud of that, that it went through and it, you know, they could raise the kinds of funds they did and, and we wish them the very best. Yeah. It sounds like it's a, it's a clean sheet licensing deal, sets the company up for success, not only in a fundraise, but hopefully going forward in commercialization. And then yep. uh, presuming the company is successful, it's definitely on that path. Then later this could provide a, a, a potential uh, yep. exit or windfall for the foundation for university of Tennessee. What, what happens if this company is successful and, and uh, makes a lot of money in the market and or sells to another company Do the proceeds, right. then some of those proceeds return to UTRF? Correct. So we do have an equity position um, in this company because it's a startup, you know, uh, we're very flexible. Uh, and again, cash is king for a startup. So, you know, we prefer not to in cash, but Hey, we have had actually, uh, we have had a startup where they, again, the invent, the entrepreneurs had exited several startups and they didn't want to give us equity. They gave us cash and that's fine. Um, but, you know, most of the time cash is king. And so they, we take equity. We have become in one of our other startups, we actually took warrants. Um, so we sort of trying to go there because nobody, you know, we don't understand dilution and everything else. So we are we're trying warrants. Um, let me put it that way. It's one startup that we have done warrants with. But for this particular one with Atralis, we do have an equity position. And so in the event there is a big, you know, sell and, or they merge with a big pharma, uh, there will be a payday. And UTRF has one of the most generous royalty sharing uh, provisions. So. The first $5,000 of any monies that we make go to our inventors. Um, and then we recover whatever patent cost. Uh, and then 40% of net goes to the inventors. 15% goes to the department. 15% goes to the campus. And UTRF only keeps 30%. Um, and that's for the first million dollars. And if you get more than a million then um, the inventors get 35%, the campus and the department gets 20 and UTRF gets 25. Okay, great. And for that money that it then goes to UTRF, is that then used to help even more companies? Is it kind yes. of a flywheel that helps more companies so, create more licensing opportunities? So really, if you think about UTRF, you know, we, I like to, you know, we should really be branding ourselves as investment capital is what we bring to the table. 
because you know we are if you would like the very first investors to a technology because we file for patents or we think about how we're going to protect the technology and you know that protection is what then enables and if we do our job right the claims are broad is what enables a company whether it's a large company or a startup or a small one to take a product and bring it to the market because and then you sort of have that competitive edge so our dollars are really used to file for patent applications to figure out how to protect our um our intellectual property of our of our inventors of our ut inventors and um and then we also have programs like the maturation grant which we fund uh labs small amounts but it's quick you know quick go no go um and then we are uh, you know many times many companies cannot afford picking up the patent costs immediately so we hold it for a for a little while so this is really where um we use you know that's where the dollars go into yeah i think that's a really interesting frame to look at it through is the idea that utrf is the is the first investor the first backer of mm-hmm. a given invention of a given technology because it's fronting you know the cost and the energy of filing intellectual property that will protect it uh, going forward. Uh, you mentioned uh, before when we were talking this fiscal year, you've got two startup licenses already executed. We just talked about the first one. What's the second? So we have one from the Depart- from the College of Social Work. Um, and this is why it's so exciting working for a university, right? Because I never know what I'll get. Um, and especially a university that does the depth and the breadth of research that UT does. Um, and so this is from the College of Social Work. This is Dr. Mike Mason, who has worked for years and years in essentially trying. And so this is a text-based application. So to help, uh, to basically to help young adults to come over addiction, the use of tobacco, alcohol, and cannabis. And so he had received over a million dollars in NIH funds to essentially take and uh, sort of validate and do studies on his uh, it's a bunch of texting, uh, text applications. And, uh, and so his, and, and he also had these partners um, from, I believe, Oregon, Washington, Oregon, one of those states up west, northwest. And um, so they have taken the startup where they believe they can now get a web-based application or a software as a service application where they can take it to the bigger audience, you know, because of, you know, one of the, uh, side effects, uh, I like to call it with COVID, um, is that this mental health issue is is getting worse in this country. You know, we, we have had a lot of opioid issues and, and meth is unfortunately making a comeback in Tennessee. And so this is a very timely need for a startup uh, to bring this product to market that has been validated over four or five years um, to really help young adults sort of come back and taper off on the use of um, substances like alcohol or tobacco. Gotcha. And so for this license, is it also accompanied by some outside investment? Like the, like you mentioned, the, the big fundraise of $25 million, uh, for the for, for the first startup uh-huh. we talked about. This startup, they have a license now to yeah. pursue it. Are they also getting outside investors or how are uh-huh. they moving forward? So the advantage of doing so again, they are seasoned entrepreneurs. Um, but the advantage, as I'm sure you'll appreciate, of doing a software-based startup vis-a-vis a hard, you know, technical, which you need a lab and everything else, is you don't. It doesn't take that much investment. And so I, I believe that at this point they are bootstrapping. 
um, and trying to get the product going and trying to get traction. Because once you have traction, as you know, more customers you have, the more validation you have, your valuation is up. So you get, you know, you get a bigger bang for your buck when you're trying to raise, uh, raise funds. Yeah, no question. I also want to talk about uh, a company called TNT Scientific because it feels like they've they've really run the table. They're they're kind of a, a poster company for the possibilities yes. of, uh, of of taking a technology and growing it that originates at UT. So these are two graduate students. I remember first meeting them as a judge in the Boyd Venture Challenge, uh-huh. which is hosted by your accelerator, mm-hmm. and then they went on to win the Startup Award at Innovate Six Five Startup Day. Yep. And then a couple of years later, they won the Traction mm-hmm. Award, which means they're, they're really getting customers in the market and making money. Uh, what is their story? And I know they recently also licensed some additional yep. technology from UTRF. So tell us about that. Oh, TNT is our absolute poster child. And, and this is, you know, and thank you, Brandon, for doing these, um, you know, podcasts because we need to get these stories out. Um, so Graham and Nima are two of our alums, uh, two of our students who graduated, you know, I think 2016, 2017, roughly around that time frame from PhD from the mechanical engineering uh, biomedical department here at UT. And they formed a startup. So the startup TNT is based on liposome um, technology, which actually they developed in their garage. Um, so it didn't have any UT resources. And because it doesn't, it didn't have anything to do with their PhD, it didn't have they didn't use UT resources. UTRF doesn't have rights to the technology. So that startup that TNT was formed on was very much their own. But as they have grown, um, they have actually licensed, I think, three, two of our technologies, one from um, their own PhD advisor, because that was a topic that you know Graham was working on. So he licensed his PhD work, which is a patent issued. Um, to essentially offer the next generation products uh, from what they have, you know, so the Gen 2 products. And they have also started working with researchers out at Graduate School of Medicine to really take this and look at their formulation for drug, dis- uh, for drug delivery. And they have hired one of the students, PhD students from there, to essentially take and work on his stuff. So, so TNT is a startup, and uh, while they started off with their own technology, they have worked so closely with us, and they have licensed a couple of our technologies. Um, so along the way, we, UTRF, was working with um, Dr. Matthew Mench, uh, who's the department head of mechanical engineering, on a device that was essentially a tamper-evident lockbox, which can go on top of IV lines, because back in 2016, uh, when the whole problem of opioid was, was growing up, we had a nurse from the graduate school, from the UT Medical Center, come over and uh, tell Matthew that, you know, they used to have these infection rates really, really low, just called central line associated bloodstream infection. And now it's ticking up. And when they looked at it, it was because IV drug users were coming to the hospital. You have this nice juicy line that goes straight to the heart and they were injecting themselves. And this was causing secondary infections, not to mention it's fatal. Um, And so they wanted basically a tamper uh, proof box and the only tamper proof way would have been not having a line which is not a lot you know that doesn't work so matthew designed a tamper evident um, lock box which when we reached out to the fda back in 2017 the fda did not think it was a med device and so utrf sort of started reaching out to hospitals and we had 
uh, by 20, late 2018, we had sales in about uh, eight or 10 hospitals across the country. Um, and then the FDA came to us and said, oh, wait a minute, this is a med device, and so you have to stop. Uh, but it was such a shame to have so much work put in. And about the same time, Matthew uh, became the interim VCR. So it was this technology just sitting there, which we had so much customer traction. And, um, you know, I just basically called up uh, Graham and Nima and I said, hey, you know, you all have a med device background. Uh, you know the story. Would you all be interested in this? And they said, sure. Uh, so I, you know, they bought their investors uh, over and I remember having a conversation with them and they thought about it. They discussed it. We went back and forth and they formed a startup called Telbox uh, LLC, which is majority owned by TNT, but they kept it separate. And currently they are actually going through the whole FDA regulatory, you know, they're getting themselves registered and I'm hoping that they have sales pretty soon uh, because they can go back to all the existing 10 hospitals that we had and, and get the sales up and going. So that to me was a perfect um, transition. And, you know, just to have the entrepreneurs that you can rely on. Um, and I just wish we had a lot more Graham and Nima's um, that we can say, Hey, you know, we have this, what do you think? Are you interested? Yeah, no, no question. The more Graham and Nemas uh, in Knoxville, the better. And I think it is a great example, too, of, of tech transfer made smooth, if you will, right? Tech transfer often has a reputation of, well, it's going to be very difficult. Uh, there's big institutions involved, whether it's University of Tennessee or Oak Ridge National Lab or TVA or a big corporation. And how are we going to get this tech transfer out? But the process that you described is, hey, we've got some great technology let me call up a couple of our graduates that have a thriving company and see if they could help it to mm -hmm. go to the next level. And so it's a good example of UTRF doing what it does so well, and then industry doing what it does well, right? They were able yep. to bring their investors to bear, work the product uh, into the 510k process, mm -hmm. and hopefully get approval and, and get back out to market again soon. So yep. I think it's a great example of hopefully, uh, you know, what's already happening, obviously, but what can happen even more and more. Uh, let's talk about a couple more UTRF companies, I think, have some really great Knoxville stories. One's uh, Prisma Renewable Composites. And a couple of years ago, they got a big investment from Domtar Corporation. Uh, what's the Prisma story? Uh, the Prisma story, I have to be a bit careful there because I sit on Prisma board. Um, so, so I have to make that as a full disclosure. And uh, a little bit, so I have to really take that back. So this goes, you know, our story um, has to go back to the bio uh, fuels initiatives way back, oh gosh, even before I got to, to UTRF. Uh, this is where, you know, call a friend, can I get Stacy on the line is probably what, what it would be. Right. <laughs> um, and so, um, you know, and, and it started off with the vision that Dr. Milhorn had. And uh, we had this whole, you know, biofuels up in, in, in Vanor with the whole DuPont connection. And, and then the biofuels crashed. And uh, but just before then, as that was going good, we had and we said, hey, we should do some more in, in the space of the whole bioenergy space. And that is how then so that company, Tanera, spun out. Prisma, which actually licensed quite some technologies from UTRF, hired a seasoned entrepreneur, um, Adam McCall. And Adam then actually came over and began partnering, not just with 
UT uh, Institute of Agriculture and other researchers at UT Knoxville like uh, Dayakar. But he also began to partner with researchers out at Oak Ridge National Lab. He has licensed, uh, Prisma has licensed technologies um, from ORNL and um, essentially got raised the funding that you were talking about from Damtar and uh, sort of took lignin and to make, you know, to basically replace styrene because California didn't, you know, is doing away with styrene and its products. And so if you think about green and getting lignin incorporated into products, making uh, ABS, replacing the styrene to an L, so making it an ABL, you make a resin, but you have to make a part. Um, so he sort of working through the value chain, partnered with uh, Yang Feng, that there's a huge press release out on that one. Um, and really, you know, so talk about using all these resources, the intellectual you know, capital that is here in this community and, um, you know, taking that to the next level and trying to find uh, partners and trying to scale up and manufacture and to um, make a product. So that is, you know, the, the story of Prisma. And Kelly then took Genera, so that story continues, and she sort of took the whole bio, you know, basically took a lease from Tenera for the whole bio, um, uh, biorefinery system and sort of used that and pivoted to making bio-based products. So essentially taking pulp so you can make cups and, you know, everything else, um, which is really where industry wants to go is more renewable, more green, uh, so you don't have so much plastic waste. Uh, and so that is, and she did a huge fundraise last year of about 100 plus million. Yeah, super exciting what Kelly Tiller is doing at, at Genera and what Adam McCall is doing uh-huh. at Prisma. So I definitely wanted to touch on on those two UTRF victories. Uh, let's talk about it. So uh, obviously, some of the folks listening to the show are entrepreneurs. Many of them have affiliations with University of Tennessee. Uh, and so I want to make sure everyone's aware of everything that's available. We already talked about the Boyd Venture Challenge. There's a couple other things they should know about. They should know about the Accelerator, which is on yep. the Ag campus at mm-hmm. UT Knoxville, and also Vol Court, a business Correct. plan pitch competition that happens on campus. And then a new thing that uh, UTRF is involved in is the Spark Innovation Correct. Center over at University mm-hmm. of Tennessee Research Park. That was just announced yep. uh, a couple weeks ago. What will the role of UTRF be in the center? <laughs> so it's really enabling. You know, it is, as I said, we come, we have the intellectual capital and we want to make sure that the startups which take a license and go through all these programs essentially succeed. Um, And that is our goal. And so, you know, how do we make the process smooth? What we offer um, is something called as a research license where I go, you know, don't negotiate because you know, you have this idea and you have shown something in a milligram scale, but really at the end of the day, industry needs it in, in kilograms and a customer needs certain properties. So you have to understand not what you think you need, but what the customer needs. So one of the programs that uh, we also do together with the Anderson Center and the College of Business is the NSFI core. Um, so we run the three week, uh, you know, the program of NSFI core, and it has been shown that that, uh, you know, if you go through this NSF I-Corps program three weeks, we can recommend you to go to national and you go to national NSF actually pays you $50,000 to do customer discovery. Um, but even for the three week program, you have to call up 20 companies and that's how you learn what the customer wants. 
and sort of, you know, you know what your minimum uh, viable product should look like. And so that is really the process that we, when we do a research license, it is, hey, go get that minimum viable product, go understand what the customer wants, because negotiating a term sheet unless or, or, a, um, or a full license, unless you are seasoned and you know the space and you've been through it all, um, you know, you've been through the whole de- development process, which most entrepreneurs starting out the first time have not done that. Um, you know, you have to go through it step by step because I don't, you know, we don't want to be in a place where you negotiate a license and you go to the VC and the VC goes, hey, this is, I'm not even looking at your company because this license makes no sense. Uh, so your business plan has to make sense and your strategy has to make sense. And so that's why we offer a, a research license, which is a quick, you know, eight, six, seven page agreement, which is really small, which all it says is, here you go, run with it. You know, it's an option. So we will not offer it to someone else. And you only pick up any patent costs happening at that time. So any patent costs that we have already incurred is ours. And uh, go off and get your results and then come back to us with a full-fledged, vetted out, you know, customer discovery done. You know where you're going um, and you have a pitch that an investor is going to invest in you. Um, and then, you know, and then we negotiate a license and hopefully then the process is really smooth and um, and it it's, it's taken care of. So that's really UTRF's role. I think we are more of an enabler. You know, the entrepreneurs come first. Um, the tech, you know, they have to want to take it and, and we should do what we can to help. No question. One, I think, uh, can't recommend NSFI Corps uh, more highly because the companies that go through that customer discovery process are just so far ahead, even mm-hmm. after that short three-week period of uh, many of them pivot during that period because they realize, oh, my product or service actually has more value in this direction or to this type of customer. Mm -hmm. And so that process is really invaluable uh, Mm -hmm. for them. One program that many people may not be aware of yet, so I wanted to ask you about it and kind of get the update, uh, is a program called XLR, Executives Mm -hmm. on Roster. This was a creation uh, by University of Tennessee and and a cohort of SEC schools, right? Correct. To Mm -hmm. basically bring... uh, executives, professionals, investors into a community so that they could see some of the the licensable technology and new talent coming out of uh, mm-hmm. university settings and be able to help take those to market. What's the what's the status of XOR and, and how do listeners get involved with it? So XOR is up, running and thriving. Um, and the status of XOR is, you know, if you are an entrepreneur, if you are an investor and you really want to look at, you know, university in the SEC region, but there are other chapters um, and you can get in contact uh, with us and we'll help you get in touch with the appropriate contacts out in uh, University of Kentucky and you register. And you can actually then, if you are an entrepreneur, you can get to see, you know, a whole bunch of uh, technologies because we put it out there or startups, you know, basically a startup web, you know, a website if you have any, but even if you have a description. So for all the startups that are out there who are looking for other, um, you know, CEO, CFO, what have you, XOR is a great platform to look at because you can put up your startup and it is open to, you know, folks all over the SEC region who can take a look. And if they're interested, then you can sort of do a matchmaking. You know, you can get in, they can reach out to you, um, have a discussion, or if their profile is on the website uh, in this platform and you see them, then you can reach out uh, to them and uh, sort of, you know, get that discussion going. So it's a great resource um, open both ways, you know, to the entrepreneurs, investors, um, looking for companies and, and vice versa. 
Yeah, no, I think it's a great program and you'll get to see a lot of really interesting programs, uh, companies rather, technologies coming out not only of UT, but some of these other campuses. I enjoy receiving that newsletter. All right, a couple more uh, quick questions. One is, and this jumped out in your bio, not only did you spend time at Oak Ridge National Lab before joining UT, but you did your postdoctoral research at Slack, which is a linear accelerator in Menlo Park affiliated with Stanford. And that jumped out at me because I remember taking a bike ride along the road that goes uh, parallel to Slack. And it seems like it goes on forever. Um, yep. But Sun- what Sun- brought Sun- you... <laughs> yeah, exactly. What 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 brought you from California out to UT? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I had never seen this place. Uh, but my husband, uh, who uh, we met at, at Slack and, and got married, was looking for a faculty position. And he had applied to the University of Tennessee. I couldn't tell you where that was on the map back then. Um, and, uh, he came here for a job interview. I remember when I was defending my PhD, he got the job offer and, uh, that's what made me move, uh, I, along I-40 East, you know. Exactly. That's awesome. Well, and and you and I share that in common. We are both uh, trailing spouses of academics, uh, which is a, which is a great, uh, which is a great thing, I think for Knoxville. Um, Quick final questions. One, uh, book recommendation. What are you reading these days? Um, so I'm reading The Startup Community Way at this point, um, which is very interesting for those of you interested in this whole startup because it talks about as somebody who's an ecosystem builder, you know, um, and helping to build this, the whole point of culture and and the reference to the complex systems that it is um, to build it and and the whole focus of putting entrepreneurs first. So, um, so that is one of the books um, I'm reading, and the other one is on Eliza Hamilton, which is uh, after watching um, Hamilton, and and uh, you know Eliza is in the background there, but you know she was the one who actually told Hamilton's story. So it is kind of Absolutely. interesting to read a book about her. No doubt. And what is the best way for people to learn more about University of Tennessee Research Foundation, and how can they get in touch with you? Um, the best way is our website, and the best way to get in touch with me is my email, um, mkrishn1 at utk.edu. Fantastic. Maha, thanks a bunch for coming on the show. All right. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And thanks, everybody, for listening to the Startup Knox podcast. If you like the show, please subscribe to listen to more interviews with Knoxville entrepreneurs. You can also leave a review on Apple, Google, Spotify, or your favorite listening platform. If you want to know more about today's episode, check out the show notes on our website at startupnox.com. Also on our site, you can find a startup ecosystem guide, a startup directory, an investor directory, and a curated startup events calendar for Knoxville. Join me for the next Ecosystem Builder episode, where I'll talk with Amy Henry, Director of Transformative Innovation at the Tennessee Valley Authority. Thanks for listening.